Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Eden Brook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. I'm really excited for you to meet my friend, Matt Menifee. Matt is an amazing musician. He is an incredible banjo player. Now, before you freak out and say, oh, wait, this is a banjo episode, we're not... I don't care about the banjo, <laughs> just hold on, because he is not only a banjo player, but that's how I got to know him, and because he's so good at it, and he works with all different types of genres, playing the banjo within these different types of genres, he's just phenomenal, and he plays all different types of instruments as well, but that's how I know him personally, is as a banjo player, and we actually met on the show Nashville when we were both working as musicians, playing in a band together on that show. One of the cool things that Matt does is he plays video game songs, so like the Mario Brothers or Sonic, all of these different types of songs that we know in the video game world, he makes bluegrass versions of these songs, and it's just (laughs) mind-blowing. So I'm really excited for you to hear his story and how he's worked his way into the music scene as a musician, as a performer, the bands that he's got to work with. Uh, He works with a little bit of everybody and across multiple genres, a lot of people that you guys know. So I'm excited for this. Uh, Sit back, relax, get your pen and pad, and get ready to take lots of notes like always. Hey, everybody. I am hanging out here with Matt Menifee. How are you today, buddy? Good, Marty. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for coming on to the show and talking with me and giving my audience more information on who you are and how you've been successful in the music industry. And I just kind of give everyone a quick background on how you and I met to begin with. So a few years ago, there was this show called Nashville that was out. It was very successful on ABC, and then it moved over to CMT. And for the last two, I think the last two seasons that it was on, I was on the show as a musician playing in different bands. And then one day I was called in to play on, on an episode with a band, and all of a sudden there you were playing in the same band and so we got to be in this band this fake band together on uh, on the show Nashville and so that's how you and I met to begin with right so and that was a lot of fun I, I think that's a really cool just a cool story of of kind of the way things work in this town different ways people meet each other and in cool ways you know at the same time very very connected <laughs> very connected tight community <laughs> yeah so uh, you're a banjo player and you're a killer banjo player from the things I've seen you do and heard. Thank you. And Thank you. I know you do, you play a lot of different instruments and you produce and been in different bands and different things over the years. So uh, if you can just give us a quick rundown of, you know, who you are, as where you grew up and how you kind of got into music 
and then kind of where what has led you to where you are nowadays? Yeah, I grew up in New Mexico, born and raised in New Mexico, um, southeastern part, town of 10,000 people, I guess, called Artesia. Um, my grandpa played bluegrass music and sang. It was literally just probably could go two days without singing the same, you know, uh, bluegrass tune or, or Hank Williams tune or whatever, you know, and, and so I kind of grew up listening to that and and watching that and I started playing video games and I think that's that's really when music started speaking to me um you know of course you know parents playing music around the house and and whatnot but I I used to record myself playing through an entire game so I could listen to the soundtrack because it's just brilliant compositions you know yeah um and it, it was really inspiring Anyway, I got, you know, to playing too much on the video games and, and my mom was like, here, maybe you should do something else. <laughs> <laughs> and so my uncle had a banjo and I was like, yeah, I, I, uh, I used to watch um, a fellow bandmate of my, uh, my grandpa's band come over and play the banjo and, and I, I was fascinated by it. So it was really easy for me to, to take, you know, an interest to the banjo and uh, started jamming with my, my grandpa, and he was accommodating enough to just, you know. Um, so did he teach you how he, to play? He didn't. He played guitar, okay. actually, um, just rhythm guitar. Okay. And uh, and it was great because, I mean, I figured out, like, you know, just patterns just from, from you know, chord progressions and, like, in bluegrass music, that, you know, very similar. So it was very, it was very, here, let's try this new song. Let's try yeah. this song. Let's try. And it was pretty much, you know. Not the same. I'm not. I'm not to you know be reductionistic or anything. But it was you know it, it was easy for to 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 kind of um, play along with and and so it was cool how he was very patient and 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 accommodating that way. Just you know jamming with me and uh, showing me music and uh, from there moved to Texas and um, started playing in bands. Went to college. <laughs> and uh, started a band called Cadillac Sky. And uh, we put out <laughs> the secret record that nobody knows about. <laughs> and then, um, and then uh, put out a record called Blind Man Walking and that fell into the hands of, of the great Ricky Skaggs. And nice. he uh, was kind enough to, <laughs> to ask us to be a part of his roster on his labels and uh, okay. so he signed us and and we uh we put out two records on his label and and then another on dual tone um but yeah that 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 kind of you know being based in in texas at that time we all were and so but we would come up to to nashville and you know for meetings and gigs and so we were making contacts and and everything and so um, let me ask you real quick sure because you said that the album fell into the hands of Ricky Skaggs. Mm-hmm. Now, how does an album fall into the hands of Ricky Skaggs? Because that's yes. that doesn't just happen. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Man, uh, <laughs> great engineer, just awesome dude, and and amazing engineer actually. Uh, Eric Leg um, was was engineering the the record, and okay. he was working with. Uh, over at Skaggs Family Records, knew all the you know the people over there because you know Skaggs has his um, 
studio mm-hmm. and uh he knew lee groich i think is is how you know knew the people at, at uh, ricky skaggs uh studio and gave them a copy and i think he handed it over to to ricky okay and so it was kind of just kind of happened it just kind of happened <laughs> it just yeah. kind of happened so <laughs> yeah. but one of the things i talk about on the show all the time is how this industry is built on relationships yes and who, who you know and those types of things and so you know your engineer knew ricky skaggs and his people that worked for his label and was able to just to hand them a copy of it and get straight to the source you know to the point that he likes it enough to sign you mm-hmm. now that i mean i have to go on record saying that that is not the way that it normally happens for most people not, not <laughs> most right, people don't right. get don't get that privilege of of something happening that quick and that easily so to speak but uh, but that's awesome that that happened for you to be able to do that so that's cool yeah they're very thankful man i mean yeah <laughs> ricky ricky was always a hero for all of us yeah so, of course yeah, I mean, that was a that was an honor and and a blessing so yeah straight up <laughs> so you're coming back and forth to nashville and texas during that time of being on his label mm-hmm. doing shows yeah um yeah i got pretty exhausting got to know uh highway 40 pretty pretty good yeah so when you signed with his label were you guys playing a lot of shows before you got signed with him yeah um pretty much regionally we get outside the box every now and then mm-hmm. but yeah we started 2002 actually stopped playing and and uh brian and i the lead singer started a whole nother band with some other cats that are here in Nashville yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, they're doing great. And then, you know, got back together and put out this record right. in 2005. So yeah, we've been playing music for a while then. So when you guys were out touring, um, before you got signed, who mm-hmm. was booking your shows for you? Was that something that you were doing specifically yourself or did you get a booking agent to be able to help you out do that? Yeah. Uh, um, Brian Simpson, the lead singer, mm-hmm. He was the guy that that did most of the booking, and okay. then it was just it was such a, a chore yep. to do both. And at the time, I didn't really think about it, but yeah, man, it's unbelievably hard work to do that alone. Yeah, but then to try and be in a band and write songs and and you know, it's it's unbelievably taxing yep so he brought his brother in and he started a, a booking agency called um sound kitchen and he actually took on was was taking on other bands and and booking them as well but yeah so so he started booking us okay that's and cool. doing a great job it was yeah it was yeah. great great uh handoff there <laughs> yeah one of the things that i that i try to do with the show is to let is to get people to see you know how you guys are able to kind of work your way up through the ranks and okay, what what are those steps that get you there? It's like, okay, well it doesn't just happen. You don't just sign with somebody and then all of a sudden you just sign with an agency and then a booking agent, whatever, you know, it's like all these baby steps that get you to where you got to go. Right. That get you up to Ricky Skaggs. Right. right? So you guys are out playing your lead singers booking and writing. Yeah. You know, too much. I need somebody to help. Yeah. Brother comes in starts an agency, starts booking you. You guys are out playing gets the album done, then that gets to Ricky Skaggs, sees that you guys are out booking your own shows, playing a lot, and your music's amazing. I'm going to sign you guys. Yeah. Right? So after you guys, at what point did you move to Nashville? 
Well, um, Cadillac Sky um, disbanded the beginning of 2010. Okay. So at that point, you know, I had invested all of my time and effort and life into it. And yeah. it was like, well, what am I going to do now? So Nashville seemed like the the most logical move, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. if I was to uh, continue pursuing music. And, and, um, and it's been the best move ever. Yeah. So... So when you guys were still in Texas, uh-huh. were you and you're touring? Is this the only thing that you were doing was just music, or did you have outside jobs to help pay bills and that type of thing? I think I stopped working around 2006. It was the last time I had a real job, I guess. Yeah. So, it it was it was getting pretty pretty crazy. Um, man, the the job I had was so cool about me going out. Yeah. Very supportive, and I'm so thankful for that. But yeah, it was. I'm not going to be yeah. here these two and here. a half weeks. Right. Oh, that's cool. You yeah. know, and and because um, they know what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, and they're and you know, they're so that's good. Really, really supportive. Yeah, um, and for people that that are trying to do this for a living, you know, when you when you live in a town like Nashville or bigger cities that have like temp agencies and things like that, that these temporary services that get you work just here and there that allow you to be able to go out and do, um, to work on music and right. kind of help pursue your career. You know, they help sort of fill in the gaps. You know, those are always good things to, to, to have. And, mm-hmm. and I was in the, sort of the same boat. I had a job. I was delivering pizzas for like six years when I first moved to town or sort of in that, in that time frame. But they were like your job. It let me come and go as I wanted to, you know, and so that was really good. So that's for awesome. people that are trying to, because the point of this podcast is to encourage people that are wanting to do this for a living. Right. You got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You don't just walk into town or start doing music and then that's just what you do for a living. You know, you've got to have these stepping stones that get you to the point that you can have enough money making music to do that. And so to, if you can at least get a job that lets you have some freedom to pursue that at the same time, then that's always a really good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So once you get to Nashville, how do, now you're no longer on the label with Ricky Skaggs at this point. Like once you once the once Cadillac Sky disbanded, right? Yeah, yeah. We just put out a a record with um, Dual Tone. Okay. Um, we just signed with them. Um, we had Dan Arbach of the Black Keys. He mm-hmm. was producing it, and okay. um, it was a lot of fun. We were really excited about it. It was a complete departure from our other stuff, and we ended up going out with Mumford and Sons on their I think first US tour. Okay. Official US tour. Right. Um, finish up the year with that. That was in December, man, it was cold. <laughs> now when you when you sign with Dual Tone uh-huh. and you're putting out this album, in order to be able to go out and tour with Mumford and Sons, was the label the one who set you up to go out and tour with them? Or was it management or how how did that come together do you know we actually met them at telluride in fact i remember uh, i remember you know meeting up at brian's house the lead singer manly player for c sky um and we were getting ready to go to telluride we had some dates you know on the way there's some routing stuff um on the way but like he started playing Little Lion Man, and, we're, and he said, these guys are going to be at Telluride. We are listening to it, and I was like, oh, that's pretty hip, man, you know? And we ended up listening to the record all the way 
to Telluride and we're pretty excited, you know, and we did our bit and, you know, sitting back selling records at the record table and there was a big line of people and, and, uh, thankfully, <laughs> mm-hmm. but in that line was, uh, Winston and Ted, I believe. And I think Marcus too. And we are like, what are these from guys? Mumford and Sons from Mumford? Yeah. And, yeah. and they're like, uh, what are they doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they, I mean, we, we went out and met them, you know, and everything. And they were just super um, stoked about one of our records. And, and uh, we had a great, great hang with them at Telluride. And uh, I think a month later, um, we got a call about going and opening for them. So, okay. so they called you specifically. They did. They just yeah. reached out directly to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's cool. Again, that's one of the, the things that doesn't normally happen in that context. I mean, it, I say that. I, I think if you're for established artists that have been around a while, that it might it happens probably more often that way. But you know, for bands that are just kind of getting going, to have a, a large well-known band to reach out to you directly and say, Hey, we want you guys to come out and, and play with us and open for us. Like that's a big deal. You know, that's really cool. Yeah. We were, we were stoked. I mean, <laughs> to see them. Yeah. In fact, they were sitting, you know, front row at our, for our show. So that was really encouraging and nerve wracking at the same time. And <laughs> yeah, but it was definitely life changing to, to meet those guys, man. Sure. Just hang with them. And yeah, they've been really great. So you're out on dual tone, mm-hmm. and this is still Cadillac Sky. Correct? This is still Cadillac Sky. Yes. Yeah, it's just a different. So you just, you, you kind of change the vibe of what the music was. Yeah. For that, when you when you sign with them because you're working with Black Keys, right? Right, and and I mean just the music that that was being written. Right, um, which is different. We, we'd had like some personnel changes in the band, okay. and and so you know a lot of uh, things were evolving. Yeah. And um, you know we we weren't always just fans of bluegrass big fans of bluegrass right but we wanted to incorporate these yeah. other sounds and, and stuff and into our into the mix as well um so uh after that i mean we 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 literally broke up around christmas and and new year's and i just was trying to figure out my next move yeah and having been coming to nashville you know so many years and and making contacts and and uh in fact the fiddle player from cadillac sky moved up there and he was kind of like the last straw i'm like ah we're doing this right and he you know he he'd had a place and and was was cool enough to let me crash with him get sorted and everything and oh my gosh and in the meantime we started a band uh a duo project together called chess boxer and um, actually went on to to make a you know a little record and and hopped on board the uh, big Easy Express. Um, they did a, a Mumford and and um, Edward Sharp and Old Crow uh, did a a train tour. They did a tour from a train. Wow, that's um, cool. And from Oakland to New Orleans, and and they asked us to be a part of that. Ross and I. So yeah, we uh, we did that tour with them, and I mean that was all just like r- immediately right when I moved to Nashville. 
That's cool. Um, so that's it was, a, it was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah. So your transition very convincing <laughs> that this is what I needed to do. Of course. So. Yeah. Your transition into this particular area into this town, you know, again, things have it, from just what it sounds like so far is the things that have laid out before you have been laid out pretty quick and and easy, so to speak, you know, e- e- easy in quotations <laughs> Com- compared to compared to what most people have to go through in order to get the success that you're seeing so far in your career. A lot, you know. of, a lot of people don't get made fun of for playing banjo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but dude, no, that was an endurance test for sure. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> but you're you're doing it with, um, you know, I I say again quotations with some, with some ease compared to what a lot of people have to go through to get to where what you have been able to do so far. Yeah, in, yeah. in a short period of time. Very thankful. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So then. When I met you, again, working on Nashville, uh, you've been here for a while at that point. Yeah. And so what are some of the different artists that you've worked with, um, that you've played for, either, you know, as a banjo player or just as a musician? Because you play a lot of a lot of different instruments and you produce and different things like that. So, yes. Um, so who, who are some people that you've been able to work with that people would know? Um, I worked with Meatloaf once. Okay. <laughs> Wow. No, no. Uh, I I played with um, Big and Rich for a while. Okay. Um, and and we did we did a uh, gosh, I think it was like a Republican rally or something like that. And, uh-huh. and Meatloaf was there, and we were his band for the national anthem, or, or God Bless America, or something. <laughs> you guys played for Meatloaf. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. That was um, no. Um, let's see. Okay, so Big and Rich. Yeah, Big, and, Big pe- and Rich. For people who don't know, Big and Rich is a is a cu- country duo. Uh-huh. And so, how did you get connected with them? Yeah, I guess right around 2011, the end of 2011. Um, Ross, who was your partner, who was partner in chess and chess boxer, and also in Cadillac Sky. Right. He went to a friend's house for dinner. He and his wife and attending was was uh, Big Kenny. Okay. And he was showing him the record uh, that we had just made, uh, the chess boxer record. Okay. And I think Kenny seemed to dig it and was, uh, he invited us to his house and uh, we played a few tunes for him and, and he just, he wanted to make us a part of his team there at his house. He's, you know, had a studio and, okay. and everything. And, and so we, you know, gladly accepted and, and, started working with him and writing with him and it was an incredible experience um and definitely an education of how things work okay in um, in what way can i can you go into some detail like what kind of education are you learning from big kenny of big and rich uh just you know just the the business side of things the co-writes and and i love how you know you look back retrospectively just like oh my god why wasn't i present for these moments right of course, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Looking you back, it's I mean? like what? Yeah, I wasn't able to take full advantage of those opportunities because I hadn't. It hadn't sunk in what was actually really going on, or this is this is yeah. the mo of, you know, how things really work here. Right. You know? Sure. But yeah, songwriting. Um, yeah, he would bring in, you know, 
different people. During that time, he met a guy, Che Baca, this producer in L.A., in, in Cobalt. And we all, like, started working on this this project that, that Kenny had, you know, kind of envisioned of, like, um, electronic music with country. He wanted he wanted to get the the hype and the and the production of like a, a Skrillex concert or something sure. with like yeah, yeah. country music, you right. know. And so it's he, this hybrid thing, hybrid thing, and and it was pretty cool, man. It worked, you yeah. know. Um, we did some shows and yeah, it worked. It worked great. It was it was fun. Um, so that was a great experience. Had a bunch of great guests on there. So that's cool. Um, who else have you worked with? So Big and Rich. Yeah, Big and Rich. I played with a, a band called Love Cannon, and they're great. You should check them out. Okay. They're they're an '80s um, bluegrass acoustic cover band. Okay. It is awesome, man. Okay. It's so fun. Um, but they did a song. They do "Break My Stride," which is Matthew Wilder, who also produced New, No Doubts, um, their first uh, first record, or Tragic Kingdom record rather, right. and many others. Um, but he's he's great, man. Love working, love that guy. I love working with him. Um, Bruce Hornsby. That's awesome. That was incredible. And again, it just you know, um, I was like, oh man, he's got some chops, you know, like. But I didn't know how deep that was, man. He's he's the real deal. That's Unbelievable. Cool. Um, Warren Haynes um, from the Almond Brothers. Oh yeah, and. Um, and uh, Government Mule. Okay. Um, he put out a a record with um, Railroad Earth. He collabed with uh, Railroad Earth. Um, and uh, due to touring, they couldn't, you know, really make the touring schedule work to promote the record. So um, Bela Fleck actually was kind enough to recommend chess boxer to go and soar with him and that was yet another honor man to yeah, just man. like um be recommended and and so yeah we we went out with with warren and that was that was an education for sure incredible experience um mumford and sons charlie peacock yeah uh, i know you know brent milligan yeah. Who is... Oh, Stephen Curtis Chapman? Who is Stephen Curtis's Jeez, producer. man. But yeah, so, what a great dude, that guy. Yeah, so Brent's been on the show, and when we were talking, he talked about his first music job really was playing for Charlie Peacock. Yeah, That's really? how he got in. Yeah, he, like Charlie Peacock was his, like, you know, his big guy that he loved growing up, and then one of his first opportunities was getting to play for him, and that's kind of what got him into the music business, basically. Okay. So how did you meet Charlie? Man, honestly, uh, I met Charlie uh, recording on Keith and Kristen Getty's record. Okay. Um, one of the records that he produced. Okay. I was just in for like a track or two, and I met him that, you know, that time, uh, but didn't really get to know him, you know. Yeah. He, he uh, called me up 2013 or 14 to come play mandolin out with him on uh he, he was doing like some you know some promotion and, and a little tour of his record no man's land to promote his record no man's land mm -hmm. um so i played mandolin with him and that was of course just an absolute surprise i mean i knew him as a producer you know with switchfoot and and the civil wars and yeah. you know 
I mean, just a big fan of his work. But I didn't know him as a player, so um, that was definitely a treat um, <laughs> to be a part of that. Yeah. So I want to talk about you've become known as a session player in town. You've done a lot of session work here in town and, and road work as well. Uh-huh. A lot of people say that you can't be both. If you're yeah. a session player, you can't be a road player. If you're a road player, you can't be a session player. And I know that to be true for some people. And I know people that have been able to be successful doing both. And you're successful doing both. So you're kind of an anomaly in that sense, I would say. <laughs> but how have you marketed yourself as a, a hired gun to, to play either on sessions or on the road for people? Like how have people gotten to know you being here in town to be able to do those types of things? Man, honestly, I've probably got the worst internet presence of anybody I know. <laughs> I have no idea when you Google my name what happens. Yep. I have no idea what happens when you YouTube me or whatever. I don't know. I can't stand this stuff. I just go. Yeah. You know, I just got to go. And it would behoove me, to, though, to take a little more, you know, time with that because that is very, very But people important. are finding you regardless. But people are finding I, I Somehow I'm, I like, I still am working a bit, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> Enough to, to make a living. So I'm thankful for that. But, uh, man, I, I feel like how I've benefited the most is attending things, is being okay. a part of the scene, um, going and, you know, meeting friends and th- that are going to parties or, or whatever, and then you meet, like, producers. I've, I've walked into Rebar and have gotten two sessions and from two different people and, you know, met five or six different musicians in town that are super plugged in and just like you said it's it's a tight-knit community so he's like you have to be in the scene to be seen (laughs) sure right yeah of course um so that that has uh definitely benefited me in terms of work and and just staying involved and um in the community um and and i love it you know people are so nice here that it's like everybody knows how difficult it really is and Mm -hmm. it's like throw you lines constantly you know if they can yeah um you know you try to you know do the same just it's i don't know it's really cool yeah well it's that relationship it's that back and forth exactly you know, yeah. if i can help you if i can help you that's great if you know if there's something that i need that you can help me with in return that's great that's not the point it's not the point but it's you know, yeah you, but yeah, you, you do it you do it from a uh a place of gratitude in your heart, yeah. man. You just like, I can't wait to like help this person. Because exactly. they've helped me so much. Exactly. You know? And it's like, you're chomping at the bits to like find a, an opportunity to, to help them, you know? And, yeah. I mean, just like you were, we were talking before we started recording about some, some opportunities that, you know, you're asking me about. I was like, well, I've got this guy that I might be able to refer you to on this. That's right. You know, man. and you know, so it's like, if I can help you in that sense, you know, and connect you with someone that will help further your career, then that's, I love getting to do that kind of stuff. So hopefully I can connect you with this person and do that. And, you know, and I think that that brings me joy to be able to do things like that for people. Yeah. You know, I think that does same for you. Very much. Yeah. You know, so, but that's what this industry is based on is relationships and, and helping people out and, you know, trying to help each other succeed because yeah. if one of us succeeds and, and we can help another person succeed and then just build on top of that. Right. You know, that's how, it's how this industry should work. <laughs> yeah. It may not always work that way, but that's how it should work. That's how it should you know, work. So, um, and then 
like you're saying, you, with Brent Milligan and Stephen Curtis Chapman, and um, you got to work on uh, Stephen Curtis's uh, Deeper Roots, where the Bluegrass Crows album. Yeah. Recently, which was just won a Dove Award, and has just nominated for a Grammy Award. Nice. Going into, you know, coming up. Yeah. So congratulations on being on a Grammy-nominated album. Did you know that? No. <laughs> I did know about the Dove Award. Yeah, it's been nominated for a Grammy. Congratulations. <laughs> That's awesome, man. No, yep. I did not know that. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Well, Andy, Andy um, Leftwich. Yeah. Man. Yeah, what a special guy, that guy. Special talent. He's awesome. Yeah, he's a mandolin player. Mandol- fiddle player. Mandolin and, and fiddle. fiddle. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, like, it's freaky how incredible just phenomenal he is on both instruments you know mm-hmm. i mean everything he plays guitar and all that yeah. you know and just a super super sweet guy man so how did you get to call to play on that particular album was so andy called andy? me up yeah and he was he he had recommended me to to stephen curtis and and yeah i thought it was just going to be like a no he said it was a session anyway we started out jamming in the studio on a on a song that um was going to go on the record and uh called where the bluegrass grows mm-hmm. and um it just kind of went from there and he was like hey would you play on this other song as well dive oh yeah which <laughs> it's funny it's funny that time in my life like i was listening to a lot more um you know heavy aggressive mm-hmm. stuff and and a lot of hip-hop and rap and and my neighbors who were my friends they were they were always playing that song dive and I wanted like, you know, corn or Pantera or or Dr. Dre or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. and and um and so it was kind of like like I don't want to listen to that, you know. I it was this is kind of this annoying um thing, but but every time it would come on I was like, Man, that's a good song. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, kind of went got out of out of that phase and, and it was just so cool. I hadn't really heard it since that, that time in my life. And mm-hmm. then to hear it this time, I was like, dude, this is, this is a great song. Yeah. And, uh, and I had this kind of rebonding moment with it, you know? That's cool. And I was absolutely honored to be, you know, yeah. to play on it. So, That's yeah, cool. that was great. It was, it was really fun and thankful for that experience for sure. Yeah. So what... What would be some advice that you would give to people that are wanting to get in, whether it be as a musician, whether wanting to play on sessions or to be out playing on the road with people, you know, they're trying to get into this industry and making a living at it. You know, what would be some steps that you would say people should take in order to do to do that or maybe some steps to avoid? And maybe you shouldn't do this particular thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but what what would you say? Because you've you've had a lot of success in this part of the part of the business. I honestly don't <laughs> don't do anything I have ever done. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, now with the internet, I mean that's just that's going to be your your biggest and best tool, I think. You know, so so yeah. procure a uh, as much of a presence as you can. You know, on on um, YouTube and and um, all the socials and all that stuff, you mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah, you don't really have to be in, in Nashville or, or L.A. or anything like that to to be heard and seen. Um, so I think, yeah, the more if you're going to do this and you live elsewhere, it, you know, it would behoove you to 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 really focus on content for the Internet, you know. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, musicians in Nashville, um, I think going out and just meeting as many people as you possibly can to get connected is absolutely essential and uh attending jam sessions and writers rounds and you know all that stuff it's the best way to get plugged in because mm-hmm. man it, it that really is essential yeah using the tools i guess of you know i mean software DAWs, you know, like you yep. can you can get any kind of recording software now that at yep. a very reasonable price, considering what, you know, a DAW being Pro Tools, yeah, Logic, Studio Logic. One, GarageBand, any of those types of recording programs that people use to record music now. Totally, yeah. learn learn how to learn how to get around on it at least. Yeah, um, I mean everybody's doing that. You have to you have to be able to keep up with the with the whole yeah you know progression of things and and that and everybody is. It's doing that. Yeah. So and people um, used to have to go to to school and learn those types of things, learning right. how to do production and recording and engineering and those types of things. And now, nowadays, you YouTube. don't. YouTube. There's yeah, YouTube and the internet and Google searching can can get you a long way to learning how to do that kind of stuff yourself. So absolutely. And it's so available now. You know, there's so many people that can do that. Yeah. So yeah, in order to keep up with what everyone else is doing, you have to, if you want to be an engineer or record your own music or for someone else you got to be able to do that kind of stuff because a lot of it's done remotely i know you do a lot of remote music people send you email you tracks and then you can just sit here in your studio and you can record it send it back to them when you're done that's right right yeah yeah so all the time and it's it's uh oh man it's so useful and it, it's a game changer and it mm-hmm. is changing everything yeah real quick uh th- this is kind of backtracking a little bit but mm-hmm. um how did you get connected with Nashville to be the show Nashville to be on there as as a player since that's where we met I'm just curious what your connection was to get in there to begin with Sherry Cunningham yeah okay um yeah she was my she was my in to get there and so I, I figured that's probably what it was but um how did how did Sherry find out about you do you know well again just kind of demonstrating the the community, you know, I feel like every time I came away from the show, they were like, "Hey, send in five new names right. from musicians," and that was that was a cool part of, of the show. It seemed like they wanted to um, have different people. You know, they had their bands right. um, that were kind of like the regulars. You mm-hmm. know, for for um, one of the casts, one of the stars. You know, bands or yep. whatever um, members, but like they would circulate as many Nashville musicians as they possibly could. Yeah. And on and off the show. Yeah, so I think I somebody just recommended me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it happened for me as well. Somebody friend, recommended you. Yeah, a friend of mine was a drummer that had been on the show multiple times for like the first four seasons or something like that. Um, I found out that he had been on it and I wanted to be on it. I was wanting to get into that world because I love, I love acting and being on shows and doing, I've done like the background work before uh, different times and wanted to get into that particular aspect and of, of being on that kind of show. And so he put my name in, emailed her my name and my picture. And like literally, I think literally the next day she called me Wow! <laughs> and said, Hey, I need, 
I need you, I need someone to come do this, you're interested. And I was like, yeah, totally. And um, so that was my introduction. And so I got to do it a few times and loved loved it. And Sherry's awesome. And Yeah, she's great. You know, so, but again, it's it's knowing people. It's relationships with someone that can connect you with someone else, that connects you with someone else, that connects you with someone else. That's right. And, and being present in that, in those moments, like, I mean, like with you, you know, like we met on the show. It's yeah. just like being present and like getting their info. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, and also staying in touch. And staying with in people. touch. Like, you know, you know, I haven't, I don't think we've seen each other in person probably since that time. It's been a couple of years yeah. since that happened. So we haven't physically seen each other, but I've kept up with you on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And every time I see you doing something that, um, that I know about, you know, I'll reach out to you and yeah. Especially like with the Stephen Curtis connection, just knowing because I've known him most of my life and and um, and knowing that you were working on that album. And so anytime I'd see that you guys were out playing on something or whatever, I was like, I'd reach out to you and say, hey, man, great job on this. Congratulations, whatever. And just kind of keeping that conversation going. Yeah. So that ends up allowing us to sit and have this conversation together today. You know, so. Totally. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on and talking and sharing your story and how you've been able to do this for a living and with our audience and them getting to know you better. And um, so I appreciate it very much and hope you have a great rest of the day. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Marty, for having me. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. I'm really glad that you spent your time with us, getting to know Matt and learning more about his story and finding out how he's built his career in the music industry as a musician, as a touring musician in a band and also playing for other people in the studio and touring with other people as well. I hope you take what we talked about and that you can apply it to your particular career of what you're trying to do within the music industry. Remember, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. If you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, or FaceTime, be sure to let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.